This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them easy. And thank you for joining us here for another Onside Kick. And if you're on YouTube, hi, you can finally see us this week as we decided to do a video podcast. We, 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 we've got a jam-packed show. A jam-packed show where if you're on Blog Talk Radio, you got you got two podcasts that Double. you got to download. Double podcasts. YouTube, you guys know the deal. you got individual segments, but we got a lot. And I mean... For podcast one, which this is, we're going to talk just coaches. So we're going to be looking at Anthony Lynn. He's hired by the Chargers, or close to at this moment. The Broncos and Vance Joy. We got the Rams and Sean McVoy. Or, um, I'm trying to think, the Bills with Sean McDermott. We've got Marone with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But more importantly, Tom Coughlin with the Jaguars. There's a lot of names and a lot of teams to keep track of to where when we were preparing for this, I couldn't remember which teams were looking for head coaches, but we're going to start off. Let's just, we got to get right into it. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. First time saying that on the onside kick. And Mark, I'm just going to, I'm going to hit you with the simplest of questions. Yeah. Was this the right hire? Was Anthony Lynn the right hire for the LA Chargers? You know, I, Here's the thing. It's kind of nice to say that. Like, hey, it's got a nice ring, L.A. Chargers. Yeah, you think I, so? I feel bad for San Diego, but it's got a nice ring. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think that the Los Angeles Chargers are um a nothing organization at the moment. Uh, they hire a guy who was a coach for one game. He lost it. No, it was against the Chiefs, but it was against Chiefs in Week 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you lose a game. Nothing that great. You're part of this Bills organization that everybody wants to get out of. Nobody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody got fired. Offense coordinator got fired. Defense coordinator got fired. The uh, head coach got fired. Everybody got fired. Um, it's just, to me, it's like, sure, people like the idea of Anthony Lynn. He was getting some attention. Uh, but, you know, he was started the year as an assistant coach, got promoted up. After, like I said, a coordinator got fired. This team, to me, this was the, probably the least desirable job because of the L.A. move right now. Because this is a team that doesn't have fan base anymore. I would say even before the L.A. move. Probably. Because there was still but, the uncertainty of everything. New stadium, mm-hmm. the move, the Phillip Rivers, what's going to But now everybody hates you. So Anthony well, Lynn is going to get— you. A lot of people are pissed off about this move. A lot of people are mad about it. Um, and Anthony Lynn, congratulations. You're pretty much the face of it because people aren't going to hate on Philip Rivers. People love Philip Rivers. No, they're going to hate on Spanos. That's who they're, yeah, they're going to hate on. But they're not going to see him. They're going to see Anthony Lynn as the head coach. Well, He's going to get a lot of it, blame. Well, it's going to be you're the head coach. You better start winning, especially in a town mm-hmm. like L.A. I think that this is an okay Higher for the San Diego, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long year saying that, Mark. It's a little rough because uh, if you're an MVP fan, you remember that I'm I have high hopes for the Chargers every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's just it's an okay hire. But to me, it's like I don't think there's gonna be much success for the LA Chargers right now. Uh, and I think that this 
I don't want to completely go off the rails here, but I think this could potentially be very career damaging for Anthony Lynn. This could be the thing where he goes in there, he gets like a year. If he's lucky, he'll get a second year because I don't think they're going to be too successful. And boom, out. He had his one chance to be a head coach. He didn't exactly pick the best scenario to do it in just because of all the changing. You know, Philip Rivers threatened that he was going to retire if they moved to L.A. He said he would <laughs> rather retire than play a game in L.A. And I don't know. Is he going to actually have the balls to do it? Let's see. But if he does, damn, Anthony Lynn, now you don't have a quarterback. I just think it was for a new head coach. This was a risky place to start your head coaching career. Well, and the thing that I was thinking about with this job is they were like, oh, who's going to be the head coach for this team? Yeah, taking a drink and uh, messing up. I don't think that was me. I'm blaming Um, on you. But point being, I thought Ken Wisenhunt was the guy that was going to get this job. That's who I thought was because to me, I thought this was before the L.A. move. This was earlier this week. I was just thinking, hey, you know what? The Chargers are probably out of all the teams that needed head coaches, the way that I looked at it, the Broncos are the most appealing because they're probably, although I was right and they didn't make the playoffs, they're a team that can come back and make the playoffs next year. All they need is a quarterback. And they're probably the most appealing. The second most appealing might have been either the, like to me it's it's a three-way tie for that second with the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Chargers because these are all teams where the Jaguars, it's all potential. You get the right guys in there to develop mm-hmm. that team. Well, they got they a have lot potential. of young talent. And that's what I'm saying. I'm using the P word, yeah. potential. The Bills, it's like you have Tyrod Taylor, who I love in the comment section. Someone compared him. Like I see him as like a Joe Flacco type of name at quarterback where it's like, could my team win a Super Bowl with Tyrod? Maybe, but I'm going to need a really good defense and pieces around him. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good quarterback, but he's, he's not, not going to transcend the game. Yeah, yeah. he's not going to transcend the game and be the best, like, a Tom Brady. So it's like they have a quarterback, they have a running back in LaShawn McCoy. They've got pieces there. And then the Chargers, who, yeah, the defense is like the defense has pieces, but really that offense is, I would say, with Melvin Gordon, Phillip Rivers, and then a healthy Keenan Allen. It's really just, to me, it's just the passing game is all you have mm-hmm. in San Diego. Well, I Diego. mean, Melvin Gordon stepped up this year, and if you can yeah. feel like But they like still were one can, of the worst rushing teams they, in, they in the They weren't perfect, and that's the thing that I'm interested with this, is I thought the Chargers would say, hey, you know what, because we're in that second tier, mm-hmm. let's go with the guy that has at least been in these shoes before. And that's why I thought they would have— promoted Ken Wisenhunt because he's a guy who in Arizona he went 40 like the records aren't great I know 45 and 51 ain't great but that was because in 2010 and 2012 he did have those 5 and 11 seasons everything else was 5 and 5 or above he had the 9 and 7 year where they went to the Super Bowl and then the 10 and 6 year where they went to the divisional round game and lost to the New Orleans Saints and then in, he also had in Tennessee he went two and fourteen and then one and six before getting fired. And you're all, you're you're probably saying, well, Ricky, those are shit records. But that Tennessee team just wasn't clicking mm-hmm. with Wizen Hunt at the front. And 
Maybe that's the reason why they didn't go with Wiz and Hunt. Well, because, I, yeah, he had the experience, but maybe mm-hmm. that lasted in Tennessee. I, I think ex- experience is really something I thought they would go for. You know, because they have a veteran roster, a veteran roster, and they are a team that is changing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think you would have either wanted consistency, where you promote from within, or you would have wanted a veteran who you know is going to be that no nonsense kind of guy. Hey. You know what? Do what we can to get the morale up. If the locker room is having trouble, a guy who will stomp it out right off the bat. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be Anthony Lynn. Maybe he can prove us wrong in that case. But I just think that it's an interesting move. It's a little bit of a risky move. What I'm most interested in, and maybe in podcast two of the Onside Kick this week, uh, you mm-hmm. guys will hear us talk more about the Chargers. I'm interested to see what happens with Philip Rivers. Well, and that's the thing where I think if I'm Philip Rivers, because of the hire of Anthony Lynn, I don't retire. I know you're up. So like, I know you're like, well, if we move to L.A., I'm retiring. But if I'm Philip Rivers, this Anthony Lynn move, the experience part is maybe his only knock. Like, besides that, what Anthony Lynn brings to the table as a head coach, a ground and pound head coach who believes that, you know, running the football, keeping the defense off the field and rested, and then using the run game to create opportunities for the passing game, mm-hmm. that that's something that if I'm Phillip Rivers, I'm going, okay. That's why they drafted like, Melvin Gordon. Well, yeah, that was they, the point. They have Melvin Gordon and also— It just hasn't happened yet. Th- the one thing that—and this is why I think that the Chargers— I know in my mock draft I had him going there. I don't know if you did. I think Mike, if Mike Williams is there for the Chargers at 10— Take them, especially after like, especially after that national championship game, because I know we're going to get to Deshaun Watson in podcast numero dos, but I'm going to say it right now. Mike Williams was one of the bigger reasons why Clemson won that championship game. Deshaun Watson played well, mm-hmm. but really Mike Williams made some fucking awesome catches mm-hmm. in that game to where I'm like, he's a top receiver. He's a top 10 receiver or like a top 10 pick in this draft based off of that game. And I know I'm a believer of you got to watch all the film, but he's the complete package at wide receiver. And that is something, like if they can draft a kid like him, then it doesn't matter for the Chargers if it's, well, if only our wide receivers could stay healthy because then Phillip Rivers would have someone to throw to when Melvin Gordon opens up those opportunities in the Anthony Lynn offense. It's going to be interesting to see what what Philip Rivers does. I think, especially because he's got so many damn kids, uh, and he's a family man. Mm-hmm. And his big reason why he didn't like the L.A. thing, and like I said, we'll talk about it more in podcast two, I'm sure. But he didn't like it because he doesn't want to uproot his family. I'm just saying that yeah, he doesn't have to. It's about a three hour drive. <laughs> it's a three hour drive. It's a long fucking drive. It's also a three hour drive to go from Los Angeles to Los Angeles. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, exactly. You're saying it's a, you're saying it's a, a three three hour drive. I'm pretty sure it's like a six hour drive when you factor in traffic. But here's the thing: uh, the San Diego Chargers job has a chance to be a good job. It does. It definitely mm-hmm. has because the team has a lot of pieces that are there. There's not that much out there that's really stopping you. The problem is it also has so much potential to go horribly wrong. And I guess a young coach like Anthony Lynn, once again, like I said, wants the fuck out of Buffalo, of course, because uh, everybody does. But apparently he's willing to take that risk uh, and, you know, more power to him in that case for being willing to take that risk. But there's so much potential for it to go horribly wrong really fast. 
Well, and the thing is, and the most important thing to this is, I feel like if you go back to the original question that we asked, is Anthony Lynn the right the right hire here for the Chargers? I'm going to say yes, but I'm saying it hesitantly. And the reason why I'm saying it hesitantly is because it all depends on what you just said. It all depends on what happens. What happens when he's the head coach? Because there's not a lot of games to go off of with him as head coach. He's 0-1 in his games as head coach because the Bills didn't win that Week 17 game. And then you look at where he's been before, most of them as running backs coaches, but he was running backs coach in Buffalo along with offensive coordinator with Greg Roman was fired. He was the RB coach in New York with the Jets, Cleveland, Dallas in 05-06, Jacksonville, and then he was a special teams assistant with the Broncos, which started his career. So really has never had that chance. And that's I don't want this to seem like, oh, well, he's never had a chance at a head coach, so he sucks. That's not what I'm saying. It's just it's a different animal mm-hmm. being a head coach. And the one thing I will say I do like about Anthony Lynn and his personality is he seems like a player coach, which might help the Chargers. Having a player coach who is okay with player input, especially with a guy like Phil. Like, and I don't want to say, like, oh, especially with a guy like Phillip Rivers, but with a guy like Phillip Rivers who you have to have. If Phillip Rivers is involved in that team, you're going to be successful because Rivers is a smart guy. Yeah, I, I definitely think there there's potential in that case. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure to see because re- really Anthony Lynn, as much as people want to say, here's some history on him. This is what he was as a running back coach. This was his time as an offensive coordinator. A lot of these players liked him. But really we don't know that much about him because mm-hmm. he's bounced around so much. He's been a little bit everywhere that – I don't think we had one concrete time to sit and watch and see here's what it is. I do get nervous always when I see somebody who, you know, whether it's in the coordinator, the assistant, the position coach type of area, when they bounce around a lot, it makes me nervous. It always makes me nervous. Well, I gave my answer, my concrete answer to the question of, yeah, I'm going to say yes, hesitantly, that this is the right hire Mm-hmm. Final answer before we move on is Anthony Lynn. Final answer is he the right hire for the Chargers? You know, I think the the best thing they could have done is this is gonna. I don't think I've ever mentioned this before. Um, would have been Tom Coughlin because this is a big him, move or Ky, like Kyle Shanahan. Kyle the guy Shanahan is my because Tom Coughlin wouldn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan would be my. I think that would have been my go-to guy. And this is something we're probably going to so bring up. So the answer up. was no. Yeah, this is something we're probably going to bring up a lot more in different segments, maybe even the Bronco segment. But with Kyle Shanahan, team being so good, did it hurt him? I mean, him, we talked about even Matt Patricia with the Patriots. Yeah. These are two guys that are still... Todd Haley still coaching in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. These guys not going. Now it's all on the Niners. Who are they going to take? Yeah. So I don't know if it necessarily hurts them or not. But, yeah, I just don't. My, 
I don't really think we have enough out of Lynn to put him in this incredibly risky situation. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's a bad move uh, in that case. But he could totally prove us wrong. And, you know, for Chargers fans, for your sake. For all, LA Charger fans. For all, like, four of you out there, <laughs> I hope that it works out. Um, enjoy your new team. We'll talk about you guys more soon. Well, and as always, this is where you guys come in. Let us know down in the comment section what you guys think or if you're listening on Via Blog Talk Radio, let us know on Twitter at the Mark Weber at Ricky Widmer what you guys think of this topic. Is Anthony Lynn the right hire for the L.A. Chargers? But, Mark, we're going to move on into our next segment. And before we get into it, i got to apologize. I said Sean McVoy. I meant Sean McVay. You, one, you wanted to say one, the, one Sean off. the boy. Well, I, want, boy. I, was, I was thinking in my head Keith Van Noy for some reason. Mm-hmm. That's why I said Voy. But Sean McVay... The youngest head coach now in the NFL history at the age of 30. He is going to be coming in as the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams as we are moving over from one Los Angeles team to another Los Angeles team. I'm going to get right to it, Mark. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing about this job is not about him being the right fit, has nothing about are they going to win games, are they going to be successful in L.A.? To me, the biggest and most important thing about this hire, can he develop? Can Sean McVay develop Jared Goff? I think he can, honestly. I do. Uh, and the, the biggest piece of example on that is Kirk Cousins. Look what he did with Kirk Cousins. You know, look how successful he has been to where, man, that guy's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. He's going to get paid huge. He almost threw 5,000 yards. This is a team that was you know, nearly playing in the playoffs. They controlled their own destiny. Uh, it was it was great. It was a great time uh, to be a Washington Redskins fan. And I know that fans of Washington, they miss him. They miss him already. They are upset to see him go because of everything he was able to do. He made this team so productive offensively. And... That's incredible, and that's what a young quarterback in Jared Goff needs. Yeah, and I mean, this to me, I'm going to say this was another shocking hire to me. And it was one because when we first, when we talked about coaches, the mm-hmm. one coach that I remember saying, I was like, I, I don't know if he's going to be the guy that people look at this year. I thought that people would be like, Oh, let's give him a few interviews. Then he gets a job next year. Was McVay? I didn't think that he would have enough to get a job this year because I thought that the Rams were going to go with like a Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that's what I thought, and that's the biggest thing with this one. And we mentioned it in the Charger segment of it's one of those things where did a team like the Rams? I'll bring this up. Does did a team like the Rams not want to wait around? Because for me. It's not a question of, oh, is Sean McVay going to stink it up in L.A.? Because, you, like you said, you've seen what he's done with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins drafted in 2012, which was, this was when McVay was still the tight ends coach. And then 2014, two years mm-hmm. later, is when he took over. And what you'll that remember. That was Kirk Cousins' is like, that that's was That's when he year, started taking over. Well, that was... In the injured year for RG3 before the breakout. Because the big thing for Kirk Cousins was he had many opportunities. Mm -hmm. Every single season, he played games. 
The thing was that he never was able to really overcome he that had, backup role. He had three, then five, then six, and then boom, two-year starter. He could never overcome backup, and then suddenly, all right, well, we're getting this kid to perform. We're getting him to perform well. Well, and I mean the big question then is, are if you're Sean McVay, are you going to come in and cater your offensive system to Jared Goff, which— to me, sounds like, oh, that's what you would do. You would take the strengths of that quarterback and kind of cater your system to him. Or will it be a, here's my offensive system. I'm going to try to mold you into mini Kirk Cousins. I think that he, to me, he seems very much the guy who is that leader of, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And you are going to come with me and you're going to do it. And that is kind of the I'm going to mold Jared Goff into what I want him to be. And I think it's give or take. I don't think the guy's dumb. He knows mm-hmm. that he can't get everything that out of uh, out of Goff that he got out of Kirk Cousins. But he's going to say, this is what we're doing. This is the direction we're going. Come with me. And I think the thing that L.A. loved about this, the L.A. Rams, is that he's a young guy. He is an energetic type of guy. He is... He has that great personality that you are going to want to see on camera. Um, And that's what they were going for to have as the coach of the Los Angeles Rams. This is a star-studded type of thing. They're going for somebody who can go that, who can make people want to be fans of the Rams because they're competing against the Chargers now. And they already had this one-year head start, but they're competing against the Chargers. And the big thing is whoever can win first wins. They get the fan base, whoever's left over because there's Raiders fans all over the place there. Um, but Well, L.A. is a Raider town. We'll always is. be a Raider town. I mean, hell, the Cowboys have a, such a strong base in L.A. too. Well, that's because of Jerry. Yeah. So it's it's a tough market for them to to try and get. It really is, but to me, I'm, I think that this is great. You get the guy who had made somebody who we all thought was a nobody in Kirk Cousins and made him to a guy who's about to be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, quite possibly the highest-paid quarterback in the league, and now you're going to get to do that with your young first overall rookie? That's well, amazing. And that's where the pressure is because I think of if you're McVay and you're Jared Goff, and you struggle this year, oh, Nelly, are things going to get hot, and they are going to get hot quick. Mm-hmm. Because if there is... I'm well, not especially say, if, if Lynn does well yeah, with the Chargers. I'm not going to say they have to come out here and like make the playoffs or get to... Well, 79 bullshit might work, but... Maybe. they If there is not improvement from Jared Goff and this L.A. crowd doesn't see any improvement from him, it's just basically going to be, wait, what? what huh? We got this young head coach to develop our quarterback, and this is what we're getting when the team playing in Carson that's going to be coming here too, they're doing a lot better than us right now, or than this Rams team. So, I mean, that to me is where the big pressure comes, is there needs to be some development with Jared Goff. The question is, how much development will there be under Sean McVay? Yeah, I I think that that's definitely important, especially because L.A. fans could easily say, 
he's a young guy. We hired this young guy, and look, well, it's not working. They can easily turn on him, I think. And also, I mean, the some of the things that I look at from the Redskin roster compared to this Rams roster is I'd give the running back— I mean, I'd like to give this it to the advantage to the Rams because Todd Gurley, to me, has more potential than a mm-hmm. Kelly in Washington. And, I mean, looking at their stats, seven, just over 700 yards this year for Kelly last year, about seven and a half um, hundred yards for um, Alfred Morris on the ground. So, really, it looks like in a McVay offense with – you're going to get like, okay, 700 yards on a good, you're not going to get like that Zeke type of performance from Todd Gurley. That's our question. I think you can. What's happening with Todd Gurley? Because he had a down year. Mm -hmm. Also, you got to think about it this way. You look at that Washington team, Jared Goff is not going to have Deshaun Watson and um, Deshaun Watson, Garcon, even Jamison Crowder or a Jordan Reed to throw to. He's got Tavon Austin, Brian Quick, Kenny Britt, guys who are, I mean, Farrah Cooper, the guy they drafted from South Carolina who's supposed to be something, he's mm-hmm. going to be a sophomore. What are we thinking from him? Really, to me, the best receiver on this team is Lance Kendricks, and that's the tight well, end. I think a big thing here is that well, I don't think we can really look at Todd Gurley's season and say anything of it. What Todd Gurley had a great rookie season. Yeah, what his season this year was was we know that they have a good running back that they're going to feature. Mm-hmm. We know they don't have a quarterback because Case Keenum isn't anything, and he was the starter. Let's remember that. We also know you guys have a terrible offensive line. Todd Gurley was doing fine in his yards per average. If you factor in our yards per carry, I should say, if you factor in the fact that he's getting hit behind the behind the offensive line every single time he touches the ball. So he's doing fine in that, you know, that yards per carry when you factor in the fact that you got to add negative two to everything. Um, So it's just one of these things where they'll be fine with Todd Gurley. He just needs the rest of the team to be there. What about the the receivers, though? They don't have receivers. This is the hard thing for the Rams is that they are lacking so much and in order to trade into number one overall, they had to give things up as well in the draft. So and, they're not going to get that young talent in. And that's the thing. You're not going – like they would have, what, the seventh pick in the, the sixth that's or seventh something pick of the, like, in yeah. the draft if they had their pick. And I get it. You're like, oh, we could have that pick. We could even take a Mike Williams, and he could then be our number one wide receiver. But on the flip side, you got to say, well, if you had the pick, you don't have Jared Goff. Exactly. Which – are you looking for it? Well, in hindsight, Ram fans could say, yeah, I'd go back and do that because I would just take Dak Prescott with the original pick that we had. But Sure, don't have a nobody, lot of things that Dallas has. Nobody knows the crystal ball yeah. and how things would play out. But really, to me, it's Jared Goff, this year is going to be the year. Is he going like, I think this is not the make or break year. But this is going to be the year where it's like, okay. People are going to be expecting a lot. Well, this is your true rookie season Mm -hmm. because last year didn't play a lot. Jeff Fisher, if he had his way, would have sat him the entire season. And you had guys like Chris Carter on Fox Sports 1 and the Colin Cowherd show saying things like that. Basically, what he was seeing is that from the players, they didn't have confidence in golf, which, which showed to him that, Goff isn't that good of a quarterback, and they know that he's not good, or else why wouldn't he be starting 
sooner than he was, I think that you got like somehow you got to get him help because I look like this wide receiving core is so bad. Tavon mm-hmm. Austin to me is nothing special. Kenny Britt, he might be your number one, but to me, he's nothing special. I mean, Brian Quick's nothing to write home about. It's one of those, it's, and even Mike Thomas, it's the wrong Mike Thomas. The good Mike Thomas is in New Orleans, the young rookie from last year. So to me, it's, I look at the offense and if McVay wants to help Jared Goff, he's got to find a way to get a receiver in the door. And I would originally say, oh, well, target a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, mm-hmm. but it looks like he'll be back with the Bears because he thinks you're winning the Super Bowl. Hell, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> but I, apparently, I, uh, Alshon Jeffrey has been watching mm-hmm. the podcast and has bought into the Super Bowl Super Bears. That's right, sixteen and zero. Uh, you know, here's the thing: I'm right there with you. They need to get the offensive line to be better. They need to get the wide receiving options. They need to, at the very least, have a tight end that's reliable, a safety blanket. Are, are you confident in Lance Kendricks at all? Mm. No. Okay. Not necessarily. Just wanted to throw it out there. Not necessarily. Uh, They need the safety blanket that Jared Goff relies on. And I think that we know they're not going to get stuff in the draft Mm -hmm. unless they lock out like a Chicago Bears and they can get an Alshon Jeffrey, a guy who's later in the draft that people, you know, ignored. And you can get that. It's totally possible. But they need to get somebody in free agency to come here, whether it's help on the offensive line which every team's looking for help on the offensive line, so that's tough. Or if it's going to be the wide receiver option, but it's a good, it's a good place to be. It really is. You're in LA. So many players should want to be well, here. And the, the problem is, do they want to be on the Rams? That's the hardest thing, and that's what a guy, a young guy like McVay, needs you to gotta do. Win. You well, got to start winning. That's he the needs thing. to go out there, and he needs to be the kind of guy that convinces them that says, "Look." This is what I did with Kirk Cousins, and I'm getting that guy paid. This is what I'm going to do with Jared Goff. And for a wide receiver, you're going to be his number one target. He's going to get paid because you're throwing mm-hmm. the ball, and that's going to mean you're getting paid too. Paint the picture for me. Yeah. What is the perfect situ- like the perfect scenario mm-hmm. for the Rams this season? They were 4-12 and this past season in year one with McVay. Give me maybe a record. How that like what needs to happen this next season for Rams fans to say, okay, that was a successful season under uh-huh. Sean McVay. I think six wins would be great. So six and ten. Don't go. You don't need to be too lofty in here. You know, you know, you're rebuilding. Last year really started it. But the key factor here, and I think this one's important. You need to win more games than the Chargers. Because they're the other team in L.A. And really right now, it's the two teams competing for the market. And we're going to ignore the Raiders. We're going to ignore the Cowboys. But it's two teams competing for the market. Whoever can get to the playoffs first, essentially, is the team that wins, right? They're the team that people go, yep, okay, I'm a Raiders. I'm not sorry, not Raiders. They're already Raiders fans. I'm a Rams fan now. You know what's funny? Looks like USC might beat them both to the playoff. Well, probably. <laughs> With Sam Darnold. Well, I think the funniest thing is, um, and I'm sorry that I don't have the, the credit for where it was, but it was on Twitter mm-hmm. where someone said, why did the Chargers initially leave L.A.? 
because in case you don't know, the Chargers had played one season in L.A., their first season ever. They left because USC was better. They could not beat USC. You know what I will throw out, and this is because we've talked about both L.A. teams now, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about the Chargers in the second podcast that we released this week, but the one thing that I can't help but think about now that there's two teams in L.A., when Sam Darnold does come out and is able, because he's only a freshman this past year, we got time, but by that time, let's say he comes out after a junior. That's two seasons in the NFL. The Chargers... They might be looking for a quarterback at that time because we don't know if Phillip Rivers is going to retire this year and basically nut up or shut up, um, or if he's going to play, and by that time they're looking to draft a quarterback, or if Jared Goff is, I'm not saying he will, but what if he fizzles out by that point and the Rams are going, and we need to find an answer, could Sam Darn, and this is a hypothetical question, but in the future, could Sam Darnold be a guy that either the Chargers or the Rams look at in the future to say USC kid, especially if USC did well under him. That's coming, a way to win some fans. Ugh, coming to LA, bringing that USC contingency yeah. to your pro football team. Storyline to look into a few years looking through the looking glass down mm-hmm. the line. But just to put the whole kibosh on this though, do you think Sean McVay, when it's all said and done, is he going to be a successful Rams head coach? Um, successful Rams head coach, I think he can be. Uh, and I think really what it comes down but to is what he can do with, he with Jared Goff. Um, I, I would put my money on the Rams before I put my money on the Chargers. So, yeah, I'll say he can. He will be. The interesting thing to me is I am going to say, let's see what Jared Goff can do. Because this is really going to be a, I think Jared Goff would lose his job before McVay does. I think yeah, it's I, not I can gonna, agree with that. It's not going to be a, well, you didn't do anything. You're out. Goff is here. It'd be like, well, let's get McVay a guy that he liked. I just think that, and he might get the opportunity sooner rather than later. Uh, but pro, I don't know, though. It's a first first overall pick. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if he can do it with Cousins, I see no reason why Jared Goff can't do the same thing. Well, and this is where you guys come in. You guys know the spiel. Let, join us in the comment section. Let us know. What do you guys think about this hire, Sean McVay, to the L.A. Rams? What does this mean for the Rams moving forward? And can McVay develop Goff into a, I'm going to say, a solid starter for the Los Angeles Rams? And moving right along into our next topic, Mark. I mean, we, we, we talked about L.A. Let's just move a little bit east. Let's go to the Denver Broncos. And Vance Joseph is the guy who is now the head leading guy with the Denver Broncos. John Elway's excited. He can't be. He's more than happy. He's super excited that Vance Joseph is coming on to be the head coach. And the first thing I thought of with this, usually I ask you a question like, oh, here's how it is. Uh-huh. I'm going to take this one first. Right. And the thing that I thought coming into this one was, okay, this was a team that Gary Kubiak, we didn't expect him to leave, but he did. And... I looked at it and I went, this is a team going back to its roots. And by that, I mean, they yes, they went to a Super Bowl with Gary Kubiak. They won that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But before Gary Kubiak, they had John Fox. What kind of a coach is John Fox? He loves He's his a defense. defensive guy. And this is, this is a team that this past season, the defense was good. The quarterback situation sucked. 
I'm not saying that Trevor Simeon sucks. I'm saying the situation sucked, and the defense couldn't carry this team kicking and screaming into the playoffs, especially with how good the Raiders and the Chargers both were, not Chargers, Chiefs, were this season. And this was me saying, okay, I got you, John Elway. I got you. You want that defense to be feared again. This is what that move is. This move is we want this defense to be back to what it was when we went to that first Super Bowl. Even when we went to that second Super Bowl and we just lit Cam Newton up, lit him up. That's what we want. We're not going with an offensive guy. We're bringing a defensive guy in. A guy who I know that you have said you are not, you weren't a huge fan of the Dolphin defense this year. I just think they were overrated. But they've been well improved since Joseph yeah. has been there. They have. I, and I don't want to take anything away from the Miami Dolphins defense. I think they did a good job. Uh, they were one of the better defenses in the NFL. Well, it helps when you have the dirtiest player in the NFL on your D line. Certainly does. Yeah, they. I mean, they had some really good pieces there, uh, but they still gave up more points than they should have, uh, and they still had trouble with elite offenses. That was the thing. I mean, you can be as good a defense as you want against mm-hmm. average teams, but how good are you against the elite teams? And that's what the Denver Broncos were, and that's what they want Vance. Uh, Vance Joseph to bring them I don't want to say bring them back to because that defense just hasn't exactly gone away. We'll fine tune it Yeah, to where it was. I'm going to say that Super Bowl that they beat Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I mean I know that was, that's what that was. That I, was an elite like, offense that an elite well, defense beats. And it was one of those things where I know that you're like well Ricky that was when Gary Kubiak was the head coach not John Fox but that was Kubiak's first year. How much did Kubiak change that first year, mm-hmm. not a lot. That was still a John Fox influence. He still couldn't even get his offense in there and I because mean, he had Peyton Manning still. And I mean, really, one guy I forgot to bring up in the Rams topic that I'll bring up now, really, Wade Phillips. Like, you need, because of Wade Phillips probably leaving, the Broncos uh-huh. were probably like, we need to bring a guy who knows defense. Well, here's here's my issue um, that I take with, with that part of it. Thought Wade Phillips should have been the head coach? No, no, I don't necessarily think Wade. I don't think Wade Phillips wants to be a head coach. I think he's mm-hmm. already past that. But I don't see a reason why he had to leave. He's leaving because he knows he's going to for sure leave. Like there's no talks of him coming back. Well, I, I think that Vance Joseph is like I'm open to Wade Phillips mm-hmm. being here, but Wade Phillips is not. He's done. Yeah, but the like, thing he's talking to Washington. He's talking to the Rams. I don't understand why. If I'm if I'm John Elway, the first thing I want to do is make sure Wade Phillips is still there. And then I want to get somebody to work with the offense. I talked about this last week. Your offense is what you're weak at. Your defense is great. You have a guy working your defense. Let him stay there. Let him continue doing that. He's not going to go anywhere because he doesn't want to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get some young defensive coordinator who's going to probably look good because there's a lot of great players there. And Vance Joseph is a good defensive-minded guy. And then that young, and I don't say young necessarily, but that, you know, uh, that defense coordinator who has probably not had that head coaching experience, he's going to start being looked at by teams and he's going to get picked off and then you're getting another one. You had the perfect situation of a guy who was going to stay there and be good. You know, you had that, which is rare to find in the NFL. I just don't think this is the the best route that the Denver Broncos and John Elway could have taken. Well, I mean, the best option that they could have taken 
was I'm going to bring him up again. Kyle Shanahan. The guy who still doesn't have a job. Or yeah. if they went Matt Patricia. Like, those are two guys where it's one of those things where Patricia, the thing with him that was, to me, the make I like or Vance break Joseph point. over Patricia. Well, the make or break point with Patricia is basically he's kind of the guy that they've entrusted with. Okay, once Belichick leaves, it's the keys. You're the keys of the kingdom. You are the successor to Bill Belichick in the hoodie. When Belichick decides to hang up the hoodie, which I don't get, because it's not like the New England Patriots defense is very good. I, it's it's a culture thing, I think. Just mm. like in South Park, it's a Jersey thing. It's a culture yeah. thing. But to me, Kyle Shanahan was the real name. Where I was like, that's the guy I thought you were going to go with. Yeah, I especially thought that with a quarterback situation that you have now, because Vance Joseph coming in. He didn't. He's not the reason Ryan Tannehill had a good season this year. Ryan Tannehill didn't have a good season well, this year. Better season. The, the the Dolphins actually were successful. The Dolphins were successful a the little Dolphins bit in were spite actual of Tannehill. Of successful, yeah. and even when the backup came in and Matt Moore, they still got to the playoffs, and that was because of Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, it had nothing to do with Vance Joseph. Now Vance Joseph did some good things with that defense. No, that defense did a lot, and I don't. And, I don't think we don't want to take that away. I don't. I'm not trying to, but Adam Gase came in there, and the main reason why they went to the playoffs is because of the head coach coming in and the mm-hmm. kind of culture that he set from day one. Now, Vance Joseph, can he set that culture in Denver? Great surprise. I don't see why not. He doesn't yeah. have to. Yeah. He doesn't have to. Like, Denver's the job where you don't have to come in, set your own culture. Yeah, you got to make tweaks because it's going to be your kind of. It's going to be your team facility as you being the head coach, but you don't have to come in there and go, okay, I got to reset everything. You've got vets on this team mm-hmm. that know what they're doing. I mean, you look at offense and you've got C.J. Anderson, you've got Demarius Thomas, you have um, Emmanuel Sanders, you've got on defense, I mean, fucking Von Miller. Probably if I'm being a little like, Overrated here, maybe, but the best defensive no, player no, in the Miller's NFL. Great. Von like, Miller is amazing. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, but you have veterans on this team to where you don't have to come in and completely overhaul that locker room. Like you're coming no. into a pretty solid Basically, team. honestly, what you do is you come in and say, hey, nine and seven, that's not bad, but not good enough for this team. And now we're going to do better. That's really what you come in and do. You know what I'm coming in with? At day one, if I'm Vance Joseph, everyone's at their locker. I'm taking that Super Bowl trophy out of the case that the team has. Throw it in the fucking trash. Nope. Putting it on the table. Mm -hmm. I am putting it on the table and saying, you guys remember this? You guys remember this? Let's get back to this. Put it on the table. Like That was the big thing when the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. The whole story with DeMarcus Ware, how he said that Kubiak did that or Von Miller, somebody did that, where they took one of the old Super Bowl trophies and put it on the table. And just seeing it there was like, like DeMarcus Ware talked about, I wanted to get that, wanted to get my first one, propelled them to that win. Now, it helped that the fucking Panthers didn't show up for that Super Bowl whatsoever, but... That's what I do if I'm Vance Joseph. I take that Super Bowl trophy from, what, two years ago? I put it on the table, and I say, this is the goal, guys. I think, we, I think we've I think we got the team in this locker room 
to do this. And you get that attitude going right away and get that going 110%. I'm just so interested to see now, knowing that they went the defensive route. So they're trying to bring the defense. What's going to happen with the offense? Who do you bring in to be the offensive coordinator if you make a change? And I, I think a big part is, too, is, you know, Trevor Simeon did fine. Didn't do great, but he did fine. He did well enough to where you could trade him if you want to just skip to Paxton Lynch. If you want to say, let's go grab a Tony Romo, which is what I think that the Denver Broncos should do, uh, is make that trade. But what are they going to do in that case? That's a big mystery here. What is this offense that Vance Joseph is going to want his team to have? How much control over that does he want? Or is he going to essentially let the new offensive coordinator, if he's new, uh, or stick with the current situation. And I just looked up Mike McCoy's the offensive coordinator. He returns. He's back? Yep. Oh. I just looked it up. Mike Because I, Mc- I, I was looking up who their coordinator was this mm-hmm. last year because I didn't know. Mike McCoy's it. So Mike McCoy's back. So in that case. <laughs> Mark's like, hmm, news to me. In that case, here's my thought. Okay. Do what Wade Phillips had. Just let him fucking do his thing. But McCoy, I mean, let McCoy Ma- do his thing. And McCoy is used to this team because he was there before he went to the Chargers. Yeah. Just let him do his thing. Don't touch it. You focus on defense. I mean, I can't, like. Why not? Will it work? Like, here's the thing. I mean, you don't have to, like, completely ignore the offense. But, but it's one of those let Mike things McCoy of do his thing. let him do, yeah. But the thing I'm thinking of is, do you have that much confidence in Mike McCoy like you would have in a Wade Phillips? As an offensive coordinator, because I think so. Because, let's put it this way, Mike McCoy, and this is not, I mean, of course when we bring points up like this, we're not trying to take anything away from Mike McCoy, but let's see, he was the offensive coordinator in 2010 to 2002. I'm going to check really quickly to see when... Uh, the, the, 2012. The, Bron- the Broncos, 2012, thank you for that correction. But the Broncos kind of had a really stark quarterback, if you guys don't know his name, in Peyton Manning, who, let's see, what are the years on that one? So 2012 to 15. So McCoy's last year mm-hmm. was the Peyton Manning. That last year, he did have a freaking amazing quarterback. Yeah. Before that was but not as good. I think the thing about, too, with that was Peyton Manning coming in, being the mystery that he was. because with the neck surgery. Exactly. We were not sure what we were going to get out of him, and he came in hard. But I, I think we can't ignore— Was Tim Tebow 2010? Was he um, the starting quarterback in 2010? I think so. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, 20, okay, 2010 was—here's the quarterbacks that McCoy had had in Denver. Didn't mean to cut you off. 2010, he had Kyle Orton for 13 games— Tim Tebow for three. 2011, he had Tim Tebow for 11 games, Kyle Orton for five, and then Peyton Manning for 16. That's fun. The thing I think is, when it comes to Mike McCoy, it's just the fact that even though the Chargers were not that good of a team, you look at Phillip Rivers, you look at their wide receivers, Mm -hmm. that's what they're hoping to get out of. I don't know if it's Paxton Lynch. I don't know if it's Trevor Simeon. I don't know if it's whoever. I'm assuming it'd be Trevor. I don't know, man. I'm assuming it'd be Trevor Simeon day one. That's who I'd put my money on. They drafted Paxton Lynch for a reason. But is he going to? Is it going to be he starts a year two, or is he a Aaron Rodgers case? Where I know, I know Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. I get it, Mm -hmm. but he sat for three years. Yeah, but I don't think Trevor Simeon's the guy that makes that. Well, Trevor Simeon's not Brett Favre. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's not, not the Brett guy Favre. who makes the first round pick sit for four years. Yeah. I mean, he's not Peyton Manning to Brock the Cock Osweiler. Of course not. No. Put put the helmet down, kid. I'm still playing with two minutes to go in yeah. the fourth, and we're up 30. <laughs> <laughs> they need somebody to kneel down. Sit on that damn bench. I'm kneeling. When when that happened, you know what I thought of? Huh. The remember, oh, was it Remember the Titans? No, it was Friday Night Lights, the movie where it's like, okay, kid, you're in. And he's like, where's my helmet? Where's my helmet? Yeah. And then Booby Miles goes, whatever. Puts the helmet on, goes in the game. Of course, he gets, he, spoilers, gets injured. But uh, that's what I thought of. Like mm. uh, Brock Osweiler, where's my helmet? Where is it? Tom or well, Peyton Manning. Ugh, guess I got to do this. Even again. in the Miami game, they were talking <laughs> about how Matt Moore. You know, uh, was it Matt Moore that didn't get snaps, or were they talking about that when it was actually the the uh, Raiders? Connor Cook. Connor Cook. Connor Cook never got any snaps. Yeah, he never got snaps. Derek Carr wouldn't mm-hmm. let him. Well, and he and it's not even that Derek Carr wouldn't let him. And he started a playoff team. Yeah, Derek Carr wouldn't game. let McGloin take snaps, and therefore Connor Cook Connor never Cook got, got nothing. Connor Cook couldn't even practice with the scout team. So it's just one of those situations where I think you let uh, McCoy McCoy do his thing like I want to wait Phillips to do. Uh, and that makes me honestly feel a little bit better about the Vance Joseph signing Signing in that case. Um, I've come around a little bit on this just because I learned that Mike McCoy's here. Well, let's answer the question one last time. Mm-hmm. Will Vance Joseph bring this Broncos defense back to Super Bowl form? Yes, I think he will. Uh, I, I definitely think he will. The problem is just going to be for the Broncos that you're competing against the Chiefs, you're competing against the Oakland Raiders. It's a tough division. And the Chargers just made a head coaching move that could make them a little better, although they, they, they've they got some tell. needs. They've got some needs that they need to hit. I think that the Broncos, of course, they're going to be in this three-dog race next year because I don't see the Chiefs or the Raiders backing down. I'll say this, though, with the hire of Vance Joseph, if he can make that defense just a little bit more sound than it was this year, and that's not asking for a lot, I think this could be a division where next year, you know how I was saying the NFC North has three playoff teams? You said that. This this could be the division. Chiefs, Raiders, and Broncos could all make the playoffs next year. And I don't think it's too crazy to say that. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. The biggest question for the Broncos is just, Who's going to be your quarterback, and what's that? Because Mike McCoy, I don't think you really get Trevor Simeon to fit the Mike McCoy kind of offense. You think Paxton Lynch is the guy? I think Paxton Lynch is going to be able to work that offense a little more. Well, and this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think about the Vance Joseph hire. What's he going to do with this defense? Is he going to get them back to Super Bowl form? And also, let us know the bonus question of... Who would your starting quarterback be if you were Vance Joseph and Mike McCoy? Would you start Trevor Simeon, or would you go with Paxton Lynch? I know we haven't seen anything from the offseason, but fuck it. I'm going to throw that question at you anyways. And I mean, moving right along, uh, Mark, fourth topic. And this is a long podcast. We knew this was going to be a long podcast of just coach after coach after coach. But moving on, we're going to go total east. We're going east coast, actually, northeast area. The Buffalo Bills have found their guy. This is, to me, the one I was most excited about. Because when we were talking about coaches and before we knew who was going to get fired, and when we thought that the Bears were actually going to fire John Fox, which they didn't, um, this was the guy I was really excited about, Sean McDermott. I am so happy that McDermott gets a shot to be the guy somewhere. And the Buffalo Bills, this is a team 
that has, I mean, last draft class, they brought in a lot of defensive guys. This is a team that, to me, can take, they could take the next step with Sean McDermott, but I'll ask you to start it off. Can McDermott be the guy to end the Bills' playoff drought? Um, I think he can. I'm not going to say that super confidently because the problem is you're still competing against the New England Patriots, so you're probably not going to win the division. Uh, You're always going to compete for a wild card, and you have so many good teams in here. I mean, the Dolphins just went to the playoffs. Now the Dolphins, of course, lost Vance Joseph now, but they they definitely lost. uh, They're definitely competing with some good teams there, so it's going to be tough. It's a tough battle, but I think there's going to be – a lot of correction. They're going to go back to a 4-3, which is what the team should be anyways and what they should have been, and I don't know why Rex Ryan decided to change that. But they're going to go back to that. So they're going to reset to back when they were a better team because they were a good defense before Rex Ryan got his hands on that. So I think that they definitely can go back into that kind of uh, successful thing. But mm-hmm. what I'm scared of a little bit is – Sean McDermott did great things with this defense two years ago. This defense last year, eh, not not so great. This year was not a very good year for the Panthers' defense. And, you know, maybe it's not all his fault. And I'm not necessarily saying it is all his fault. uh, But I don't know. If you were hiring him last year after the Super Bowl, I feel great about it. This year, I have some questions about it. Well, and the one thing that I just looked up that, kind of makes me questionable because I know the man very well and we were kind of, eh, when he was a head coach. But you want to know who the defensive coordinator is going to be in Buffalo under sure. Sean McDermott? Remember who Leslie Leslie Frazier is? Remember yeah. Leslie Frazier? Oh, yeah. yeah, he's going to be the defensive coordinator. The ex-Viking head coach. They're still looking for an offensive coordinator, which is funny because I opened up a, um, a page from the Buffalo Ramblings, which is an SB Nation site. And, of course, this article from the 12th, which was earlier today, McCoy's already gone. And then the next guy that they mentioned on the list of Anthony Lynn is gone. The third guy that they have in this article, Norv Turner. So, really, if the Bills want to, they can take two Viking head coaches or two former Viking coaches and put them in this. But that... Hearing that, I'm kind of more questioned because Leslie Leslie Frazier was one of those, okay, I wasn't too happy with him mm-hmm. as our head coach. But off of what you said, the Panthers, their defense was, I, with that whole team, I don't know if it was really the defense that was the main problem with the team. And a big thing that went into it, Luke Keekley was injured. Yeah, He was injured. And whenever you get that loss— of course, things are going to happen. But really, for the Panthers, I think the biggest problem was Cam Newton wasn't Cam Newton. Maybe it's because he, uh, you know, Mark got rid of the dab. But really, I think that McDermott's going to come in for this Bills team. And he's going to be able to set a different precedent than Rex Ryan did. This is a completely, I'm going to say, 180 change mm-hmm. to Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan comes in. Big, bolsterous guy. The attention's on me. We're making the playoffs. Bada bing, bada boom. The big New Yorker coming into town, running his mouth. And I say that because he came from New York to Buffalo, which is still in the New York area. Still in New York, but it is the city slicker coming out here. It's one of those things where it's like bada bing, bada boom. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to 
shove it down your throat kind of a thing. And also he's the coach of all the pressures on me, all the pressures on me. I'm going to say all these things like what at the end of the season when he's like, you don't know my future. I don't know my future. He doesn't yeah. know my future. It's going to be different than that. It's actually going to feel like a real head coach. And I, I don't want to take anything away from Rex Ryan, but Rex Ryan has become a caricature yeah. at this point, not a real head coach. So in that sense, I love this hiring. It's just going to be another kind of question of can this guy who has not had head coaching experience, can he switch over to it? And the one thing that I think helps him is he's got a huge resource to have leaned on during his time in Carolina because Ron Rivera did the same thing, was a defensive coordinator in Chicago Came over to Carolina, first head coaching job, has been successful. So if that coaching tree continues, just based off of that and who he was under at Carolina, I think that Sean McDermott can have success in Buffalo to set up a culture for winning and maybe even end the playoff drought. Not this next season, but in the future. I definitely think it's a good situation to be in. Plus, he's got a quarterback that. and a running back and a wide receiver. Well, in the, he's got to fix things in the quarterback situation because the quarterback's a little upset by the team right now because they benched him week 17 and he okay. got he's, a little pissed it's off. It's okay. He's got a quarterback that didn't come here to play school. It's true. He didn't come here to play backup. He didn't come here to play backup in Buffalo. Or really what it is is backup's backup. <laughs> I didn't come here to play third string. Uh, but here's the thing. So I, I think Tyron Taylor's the way to go for for Buffalo. There's a lot of good pieces there. Like I was saying, you know, it just it just scares me a little bit because as soon as Josh Norman's out the door, uh, you know, the defense completely goes downhill. Even when Luke Keekley was there, the defense mm-hmm. was not as good as it used to be. Um, of course, that's a complete superstar, one of the best corners in the league. But still, there's a lot of pieces in place. In Buffalo, this is a team that should be good. This is a team that was good before Rex Ryan got there, and then took a step down. And I think you can easily bring them back up. So it's definitely a good job to be in. The first thing I think is appease Tyrod Taylor, because he is a competent quarterback who a good offensive coordinator can make into a good above average quarterback. He can elevate that quarterback play. Mm-hmm. You can do that. He is a good guy to have. He is better than any rookie you're going to get in the draft. He's better than anyone you're going to pay a lot of money for right now, uh, mostly because you're saving the money. So that's one thing you got to do. The defense, just switch it back to the 4-3. That's who you have. You you have that core already there. Um, so go back, get that going. And honestly, some small changes are what's going to actually get these Buffalo Bills players playing the level that they should be. Because this is a team that should not be a below 500 team. There's a lot of talent on the roster. Now, I think there's certainly little things that I I would like them to do, like probably draft a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Sammy Watkins, but... They need a guy who can go over the middle. Yeah. And Tyrod needs, once again, I mentioned this with Jared Goff before, get him that safety blanket. Get him something that he likes to just mm-hmm. dink and dump if he has to. Another thing that is good to kind of go off of what you said is if you look at the depth chart, the first thing you will notice for the Panthers, what kind of a defense did they run? They run that 4-3. Three. Yeah. So they, Buffalo, I'm assuming, would be switching back. I hope McDermott so. McDermott would 
that's what he'd be bringing over from Carolina is what I think is the 4-3. Yeah, and I, I think that something that, of course, the Buffalo Bills need to focus on uh, is, like I said, like we both agreed, is get that second wide receiver, get somebody else. But really, they need to work on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. That offensive line needs some help. Needs I some think help me now. and you both had them going offensive line in the first round of our I believe first so. draft. Um, yeah, they definitely need some help. Uh, any any team that has Jordan Mills playing is a team that does not want to win games. You know, that's a team that does not want their Doesn't quarterback to be healthy. Games. That's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's just some little things that need to be addressed, and then this team is ready to start competing. Uh, they weren't that far off from being able to compete for a wild card spot. Um, they, of course, they ended in seven and nine, but things kind of fell apart at the end there. So yeah, there's definitely opportunity. This honestly, you know, this might have been the underrated job for a head coach because of just the potential of the players you have. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think the Buffalo Bills is the sexy job. Um, no, or anything like that, and, but it's it's good. And the thing that's hard about it is, the good thing is you're not the laughing. You're not coming into a team that's the laughing stock of the division. That's the New York Jets, where that dumpster fire is just seeming to burn. And really, it's the only dumpster fire where you're like, I don't blame Todd Bowles. I don't blame him for it. It's There's a lot of basically wrong there. the situation is crap. You've got. Kings of the Castle and Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And really it comes down to how much better are you going to be your first year than Miami? Because really Miami's got a one-year head start on you. They made this move last year when they brought in Adam Gaves. Mm -hmm. They said, we are going to bring in a new head coach, and look what happened to them. They made the playoffs first year with Adam Gaves. Now we talked about their defensive coordinator. He is now in... Denver, so and that's does a that big cause change. Miami to take a step back? Maybe it does. And the thing with Buffalo that I think is going to be the best part is, yeah, with the offense, like there are moves that you need to make. And like I said, is Tyrod Taylor the guy that you win a Super Bowl with? He could be. He's not the guy that's going to go out there. He's and not going to win you the Super, win Bowl. You the Super yeah. Bowl. You have to have like I, I'm throwing him in the same category as the. Joe Flacco's and the Trent Dilfer's, both former Ravens quarterbacks when they won. Joe Flacco's offended right now, by the way. You need to have Mm -hmm. an elite defense behind him. And I think that this Buffalo team made strides in the draft to set them up for that when they did go out and draft guys like Adolphus Washington, when they went out and got Shaq Lawson, who had surgery and didn't play for some of the games this year, and they went out and, like I said, got those guys to bring them in, and they've got guys like Kyle Williams and um, Marcel Darius, and they've got guys like Stephen Gilmore. They've got keys on this defense for McDermott to work with and say, hey, I can build a caliber-quality defense with these players Maybe make a few more adjustments. And that's the thing where I even look at our mock drafts, and you had them going offensive line. You had them taking the tackle out of Wisconsin, who virtually that's who I wanted them to take. But it's one of those things the Colts 
needed offensive line as well, mm-hmm. and they went ahead a lot of and teams took that offensive tackle away from them. So who did I go with? I went with a cornerback. Had them going with Marshawn Lattimore, the kid from Ohio State. So really at 14, they could get a defensive player there too to help mm-hmm. that defense. And really, there's a good chance they could because of the defensive coach. Really, I think that McDermott, if he's going to be successful in – if he's going to be successful in Buffalo, it's going to have to be a similar situation to um, to Mike McCoy in Denver. And really, the more I think about it, Norv Turner could be a good option for the Buffalo Bills because Tyrod Taylor, maybe, like, to me, I look at it and I kind of think of his skill set. A slightly bigger, looks like a stronger version of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and they've got Who can the, use his legs a little bit more than Bridgewater. And Bridgewater, they've got the good run game. And Bridgewater was a guy who, I'm going to use my legs to create more time, where Tyrod yeah. could be, I can use my legs to actually gain yards, too. Yeah. So you've Not got, that Teddy couldn't. You've Honestly, you've got all the makings that you need here. You've got a pretty good defense that should get better. You've got a great uh, running game. Your passing game is terrible, but you're hoping that that's going to get better. Uh, there is a reason why the Buffalo Bills fired their offensive coordinator and had an assistant promote it. So this is, you know, this is a sleeper team. I guess it's something that we're not talking about too much. It's not the sexy hire. This wasn't the sexy job. Well, for me, it's uh, but just, it was good. It's just the this was a wow. Good, like to me, I'm like this is a solid hire. Honestly, this is the one where you look at it and you go, huh? Yeah, okay. And actually looking at it, Teddy two fifth two fifteen. 6'2", whereas Tyrod Taylor is 6'1", 215. So, boom, right there, around the same, an an inch difference. An inch difference between these guys. Maybe I thought Tyrod looked bigger because I look at Teddy and he looks like stick, like twigging bones out there. Nothing but no meat on them bones. But Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, the more I think about it, actually talking about this, Norv Turner could be a guy I can see because of the quarterback you have. And you think of the wide receivers that we had in Minnesota. North Turner made it look, work. We had Stefan Diggs, who was our main deep threat. And, I mean, you have him. You also have Sammy Watkins as your main guy, which is a big step up from Stefan Diggs. Oh, for but sure. But they also had Charles Clay, or they do have Charles Clay, which is a prime tight end receiver, same thing Minnesota had, Kyle Rudolph. So there, And like you said, the run game, the solid run game is mm-hmm. there. Offensive line's a little weak. So these offenses between Minnesota and Buffalo are so similar to maybe Norv Turner. It's like, hey, you, could, you can work with a similar kind of offense here, and you can implement your offense here in Buffalo, but that's going to be something that we kind of look forward to as we – look into the offseason as playoffs go around. But I'll ask you just to end it off one more time, your final thoughts. I'll put it this way. How many years until Buffalo ends its playoff drought, if they do end it with Sean McDermott? I think that they will for sure end it uh, probably two seasons. You read my mind. I think it's definitely not going to be this coming season. But after after that, I think they could do it. Sean McDermott's second season, that's when we're seriously looking at the Bills to be a playoff team. They just got to have those little pieces fixed this year, mm-hmm. and then they'll take the next step. But you guys know the drill. This is where you guys come in. Let us know down below 
what you guys think, or if you're listening via Blog Talk Radio, let us know on Twitter at the Mark Weber at Ricky Widmer what you guys think as well. And we're finally here, Mark. The end of the podcast. Well, the last topic of yeah. the podcast. We're not signing things off yet. You guys, uh, podcast number one. Yeah, podcast number one of this week. Go check out the other podcast on Blog Talk Radio backslash The Onside Kick. And we got to talk about the big moves that the Jacksonville Jaguars are making. We we pushed this team to the tail end, the back burner of the podcast because this is the oldest news. Of the podcast because a lot of things have happened in a week oh, for sure. since we've recorded. A lot of things happened podcast. in like a day. Oh, it was it, like just today as we're recording. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have four topics. Oh, we have five topics. Yeah. Oh, we fun. have seven topics. Well, I guess we're going to have two podcasts because there are nine things we have to talk about. But really what's going on is Doug Marone, head coach, Tom Coughlin brought on as the VP, I believe, or whatever. Some special title that basically puts him ahead of David Caldwell and I'm going to start you off with this question, Mark. Yep. Can Tom Coughlin turn around the Jacksonville Jaguars? It's that easy. Can he do it? I think he can. Uh, I think it's going to be a tougher road than people will think. Uh, and I, I look at this, and, and they hire Doug Marone, and I scratch my head, and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And then Tom Coughlin gets hired as well. And it was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I guess I kind of see some idea, but then it was the realization that, but wait, David Caldwell is still there. So for those of you who don't know, David Caldwell is the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tom Coughlin, like Ricky said, is given a job above him and Tom Coughlin interviewed for the head coaching job and then realized more so that he wanted this kind of executive position within the front office. So Tom Coughlin is in charge of football operations, and he is in charge of the roster. What does the GM do? Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off here because this is a topic. I feel like I actually know a little bit about Mark because the first thing I thought of when you were like, "What what does he do?" My Cubs did this. Mm-hmm. My Cubs did this to perfection. Where we have Theo Epstein who. His exact title is sort of similar to what you have in Tom Coughlin. He is the, and I'm going to read it verbatim, the president of baseball operations for the Cubs. Then you look over at Jed Hoyer, who you're probably like, well, in Theo we trust. Theo gets all the recognition. What does Jed Hoyer do? He is not only the general manager, but the executive vice president. And the thing that I always think of is, Whenever I saw the Cubs this season, it never was, oh, Theo makes the decisions, Jed just sits there and twiddles his thumbs. Mm -hmm. They work together. They're a team. This is where the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to get most of their success. If Coughlin, yes, Coughlin's going to be ahead or on top of Caldwell, but these guys have to work as a team and that's or the hard else it's part. not going to work. And it's a hard thing because Tom Coughlin likes to rule with an iron fist. And the man's 71 years old. He feels probably that he knows what he's doing. Uh, now, when Tom Coughlin was in Jacksonville before, he was a head coach Kinda and the GM. Bridges. He was He had all the control. So I feel like it's just setting up this kind of dangerous situation. He comes in and he wants all the control. But – the thing that really dug Tom Coughlin in is the man can't manage salary. That's what he struggled with the most. Maybe that's what Caldwell's there And that's for. what you kind of are going to hope for. You're going to hope that that's where he's going to jump in here. Um, 
I I'm just worried that Tom Coughlin's gonna want his iron fist down, and uh, the owner is going to basically say, "Hey, you know what? I trust Tom Coughlin." I don't necessarily trust Jim Caldwell. He might not directly say that, but I think even just the hire mm-hmm. implies it. So especially when this job did not exist, they made this job for Tom Coughlin. Well, and it's like you told me before the podcast that apparently Tom Coughlin has already thrown down the iron fist even when mm-hmm. Doug Marone wanted to bring someone on for defensive coordinator. So, yeah, he wanted to bring in Donnie Henderson, uh, who Tom Coughlin's got some beef with. This yeah. is your NFL drama. Uh and Tom Coughlin said no. He said no, I don't want it. And Doug Marone's going to have to move on and find somebody else. And he will. Uh, but it's just funny to me that it's, you know, un- right off the bat. First thing Tom Coughlin does is, hey, that 10 o'clock press conference, it's at 9.55. I like that, though. And then I like that whole immediately thing. next goes, you want to hire that guy? Uh-uh. No, no, no. You find somebody else. Well, it's one of those things where it- – in the Donnie Henderson situation, the one thing I will say is Henderson's only had, looking at his coaching career, he's been in the NFL for about three years right now. Before that, he had been in college until he was with the Cardinals in 2009 and 2010. Before that, he was with the Jaguars in 2008. He was with the Lions, the Jets, the Ravens. He's been around. Been in the league since 19, what, 80? Nope, that was in college. So he is 1999, and he's a Super Bowl champion with the Ravens for head coach, but not head coach for just coaching staff, but he's only been a defensive backs coach. So it's one of those things where it's like Tom Coughlin might have been saying, no, 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 no. Well, I don't necessarily know if he was being offered defensive coordinator. Just bring him in is what you're saying. Okay, I thought— it was for maybe the defensive coordinator where it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to go with a guy who mm-hmm. maybe has no, been a defensive coordinator. No, literally Tom Coughlin doesn't want to hire him because he has beef with him. They got into a heated <laughs> argument during a scrimmage. This is not a joke, guys. During this a, is during an a actual scrimmage. thing. A scrimmage between the Giants and the Jets. There was a little scuffle. The two coaches got some words exchanged. And there probably is some other reasons as well but that's the only Things really were probably said yeah that's really it just they had this little this you know heated argument and now when Doug Marone wants to bring him in Tom Coughlin said no it, it's just it's just funny to me of the uh coming right away now I think that having Tom Coughlin as part of the Jaguars is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I think that's what this team needs. This team needs something. The unfortunate part is they need something for Blake Bortles to take that next step forward because he had that two seasons ago at the end of the year, and then he took a step back. And honestly, yes, Blake Bortles has some good numbers, but most of those numbers are garbage time. They really are. The Jacksonville Jaguars are this team that needs a coach that can bring them forward. Doug Marone is not that. Well, Doug Marone is the – when I – heard that he was going to be the head coach, I immediately thought, oh, so they don't want to move on from Blake. That's what this means. Well, Tom Coughlin even said Blake Bortles is our quarterback. Yeah, it's one of those things where just the head coaching move alone made me go, okay, Blake's the guy. Mm -hmm. Blake's the guy. Which is okay. Blake can, but you need somebody who can bring Blake forward, and that's not Doug Marone. To me, when I first heard Doug Marone, I thought, 
oh, so nobody else wanted this job? <laughs> and not that Doug Marone is terrible or anything like that, but it's just kind of the— Blake Bortles and this team did look good under Doug Marone to end the season. I guess. I mean, did you not see—I know it was one game, but did you not see that Titan game? Did you not see that Titan game, man? Sure, but the Titans kind of let themselves fall off the face of the earth at kind the end of, of the season, the, too. Kind of pooped the bed there, yeah. is that what you're saying? Basically, to, to put it nicely. Um, and then they lost to the Colts as well. So, I don't know. I mean, Doug Marone's not a terrible coach. I mean, he did fine in Buffalo. There's a lot more issues in Buffalo than just Doug Marone coaching. But Doug Marone isn't really a great coach. And this team has so much talent on it. It's got so much potential on it because there's those young Especially studs. Especially defense. Oh, and they're gonna get Miles. Like hopefully they're gonna get Miles Jack back. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, this de- like this defense is going to be stellar if they can cash in on the potential. And the thing that I think of with Coughlin is with him being the VP, the. Like the thing I read an article where it said that one of the big things that could kill him, like it did before when he was in Jacksonville, was his five minute thing that he has. And if you're unaware, it's basically Tom Coughlin saying, and I had a band director in high school that every, did the same every thing. Every coach says this. It's nothing surprising. With Tom Coughlin, it's if you're on time, you're late. So five minutes before. He even fi- – like he fined Michael Strahan in the past mm-hmm. for being two minutes early to him. The whole, the whole thing is if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late – you're not late. Don't show the, up if you're, the, if you're not going to be the way my, on time. The basically. way my director and I went to private high school so he could say this, the way he put it to us was if to be on time is to be late, to be on, to be on time is to be early, to be late is to be dead. Meaning if you're late, don't even show yeah. up because you're basically you're going to have to run so many laps, you're going to be dead. Mm-hmm. And – you know, I, I guess what? No one was late, which is good. Uh, I, I'm I'm late to everything, but I, I think a, a thing here is, <laughs> I it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just think there's a lot of room for resentment to build within the mm-hmm. actual organization. Maybe not necessarily with the players and what's going on on the field, but I just think that if if I'm in Caldwell's situation, I can't see what's going in through his head right now. But I'm gonna see this guy coming in right above me, and it's a slap to my face. I did not do that bad of a job. The GM has not See, done that bad of a job for Jacksonville. That's going to be not a the great thing. job, like, but not that bad if, of a job. If you're Caldwell, you can't let that. De- it's kind of like Star Wars. You can't go over to the dark side. Don't let those negative thoughts fuel you. Just say, okay, Tom Coughlin's here. I got to work with him. We got to work together here. And As you've been stripped of all of your powers. It's one of those things where really it's if we don't have success the team doesn't have success and if we don't have success i may be out of a job that's what i would think of it if i was caldwell because who's going to lose their job first coughlin or caldwell oh caldwell's probably going to lose a job next year so basically i'm looking at it as we have to succeed together mm-hmm. together we stand divided we fall that's what it's got to be but at the same time i think this is one of those situations uh not that someone really gets a second chance at being a GM, but this might be one of those rare situations where Tom Coughlin might be pushing him out the door. Uh, Maybe, and that could be true. And he might be uh, in his time where he might say, you know what, no, I'm out. 
I'm just interested to see that end of it, uh, which is funny because we're we're talking about the you know executive vice president or president whatever he is, uh, and the GM mostly. But what's people are going to see is what's on the field and Doug Marone and what he can do with this team, what he can get out of Blake Burles if that defense will perform the way they're supposed to, uh, and this team is just underperforming. They underperform all the time. Uh, they're much like the now Los Angeles Chargers. They are underperformers. And there's so much talent out there. I just, I wish I could be in the room sometimes, just a fly, fly on, the, on wall. the wall. You know, what was the discussion that made you say, this is the best guy? Because I'm pretty sure if I remember right, Jacksonville were the first team to hire. And you get rid of Gus Bradley because you had this losing culture. Mm-hmm. And then you promote from within, you have a losing culture. And you're going to promote the losing culture? I mean, sure, you brought in Tom Coughlin now. You're talking about Marone being the head coach. Yeah, because Marone was already part of the organization. He was part of the losing culture of Gus Bradley. Unless that is them saying, yeah, we were underperforming, but it was Gus Bradley's fault. They could be pinning it all on him, but it's the situation where they're kind of saying we need to correct the wrongs. The one thing we haven't mentioned, and I don't think we've mentioned, the most awkward part of that, Mm -hmm. hey, Gus, by the way, and I'll ask you. If I said, hey, Mark, it's been great, but uh, we're going to have to let you go. Oh, by the way, are you going to fly home with the team or are you going to yeah. take a plane yourself? I'd take a plane myself. I ain't flying back with the team. Yeah, that I'd, probably, probably, I'd probably do it too. That had to be the most awkward flight ever. Hey, by the way, you're fired. You come back with the team now? What come is back it? with the team? I forget who, which coach it was. Someone in the comment section might know. Uh where there was a picture after they got fired, they were leaving in a team vehicle. And it was wasn't it Rex Ryan? It, it could the, have been. He had the truck. The yeah, truck yeah, that was it painted was. Buffalo Bills. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like He had the pickup truck that was fully painted Buffalo is, Bills. Well, he's got a Rex Ryan or, I'm sorry, not Rex Ryan. He's got a Mark Sanchez tattoo as well. It is now the it was now the Buffalo Hunter. <laughs> and I wonder who it's gonna be now. He's gotta get changed again. Wasn't that, wasn't that a tattoo of his – it was his wife? His wife a, wearing the Sanchez jersey. And now she, then she was in the punter's jersey because it was the same number. Then he had his car decaled in Buffalo. Oh, that was funny. There's just sometimes where you make bad decisions. The but, thing to remember, guys, if you're ever a head coach in the NFL, you're probably going to get fired at some so point. Don't so don't make any commitments. Yeah, no commitments like that. Don't At least a car you can replace. Tattoo – how often do you get the quarterback and puncher mm-hmm. to have the same but, number? I mean, the one thing getting back to Jacksonville is this is it's going to be interesting with Tom Coughlin. I wonder how long Doug Marone stays around, though, because you are right. It's one of those things of was it all Gus Bradley's fault? Did they make this hire just because they want to say, well, you know what? If a new quarterback or a new coordinator comes in, they're going to want a new quarterback. Let's make sure we stay with the guy, with the kid that we drafted. I'm leaning towards that plus, I think, the Titan game. I know it was one game, but that probably played into it. Wow. This is the most, like, they fired, and it's one of those things, they fired Gus Bradley, and then they come out and play like that, where it's like, holy shit, where has this team been all year? But sometimes change can do that. And I know they lost to the Colts, but it's not, we didn't, like, they weren't a team that, Oh, they're going to go 2-0 in their final two. Even that one win was like, holy shit, where's this team been? Sure. Like, that's a team. 
the receivers were making plays. The run game was there. Bortles looked solid. And it was like, I know Marcus Mariota got injured in that game, but it's one of those things where I'm like, holy crap, this team's been good. That game. That game, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's one game. Change happens. Sometimes that can spark things. We're going to see what happens going forward. I personally don't believe in Doug Marone, so we'll, we'll see what happens. How many years do you think he's the head coach? Just one? I don't know. I think it depends on what Blake Bortles does. I think if they're getting rid of Blake Bortles, they're going to get rid of Doug Marone, too. I was just, I was, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is still out there. Patricia's still out there. I mean, maybe for are, next year. There are guys that are still out there that you, Josh McDaniels but is still what, out there. The thing now is that you have the Tom Coughlin influence now. You have a head coach there who's not coaching. So what it does could, he want? It could also be a, hey, Tom Coughlin, you're going to help the head coach, but Doug Marone's going to be on the sidelines so you can focus on off the field stuff. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see once so practices Cough- happen how so, involved Tom Coughlin so is. So Tom Coughlin doesn't have to go to practices and actually be at practices, and mm-hmm. he can just be like, here it is. This is what the team is. I put it together. Yeah. You go and coach it. It'll be very interesting to see how this goes. Uh, it's, I don't know, it worries me. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below or on Twitter what you guys think of this whole thing. Can Tom Coughlin save the Jacksonville Jaguars, and maybe make them contenders. I'll even throw that one out there. And also, how long do you think Doug Marone will be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? But that's going to do it for Onside Kick Podcast numero uno this week. Make sure to check out our other segments and our other podcasts on Blog Talk Radio backslash The Onside Kick, where we talk about the other news, non-coaching related, that went on this week. I want to thank you guys for listening and watching this podcast. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast to support the channel if you like the video. Make sure to hit that sub button on YouTube if you loved it. Thank you guys for watching. Until next time, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.